0: Good afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm going to be uh, joined by David Wheaton in just a minute. I'm looking forward to that, as I always do. I want to thank uh, Dr. Chris Bruno, who was just in studio, and he was talking about his book, The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. And I found out that all of these verses are printed uh, by Crossway, his uh, publisher. So if you go to crossway.org, and then in the search, just type in Chris Bruno, And then you'll see the book, the whole story of the Bible in 16 verses. Then click on that. And then under his good-looking picture, you'll see the word related media. And if you click on that, you will see download free memory verses. So all 16 verses that we talked about in the book uh, are all printed out by Crossway. You can have your own flashcards, which you can have with you when you're in your car or when you're sitting at the table. You can start memorizing these verses. There are a bunch of wonderful verses, and his book is good. So uh, if you can still get it on the drawing, uh, text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three right, David Wheaton is my guest. We'll take 60 seconds and bring him on.
1: Focusing on Christ together. Jesus, we have hope.
2: I just wanted to tell you what an
3: integral part of my faith journey. Faith Radio has been, and some of the programs have truly blessed me. Susie Larson,
2: Carmen Laverge, Bill Arnold, and several others have made such a difference for me. And now that I'm moving, at least I have the Faith Radio app so that I can continue to listen.
1: Daily hope and encouragement on Faith Radio.
0: All right, my guest is David Wheaton, my good friend, and go to org to learn more about his amazing radio program, his credible books, and his charming personality. David, welcome. Hey, good to be with you today, Bill. Yeah, Happy New Year. I don't think we've chatted this year yet.
4: We have not, but uh, thank you for your Christmas card. Oh, you're I think welcome. I, got a, I think I got a Christmas card from you, didn't I?
0: Yeah, I probably did, included <laughs> with my, uh, my electricity bill, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. That, that was, was it. it, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, here we are at the beginning of the year, and I think we should uh, kind of jump into God's Word. Let's start at the uh, in the very beginning and kind of dig through Genesis a little bit. What do you say?
4: Well, yeah, I thought that would be interesting at the beginning of the year. Here we are at the beginning of the year. Well, why don't we go back to the beginning of the Bible and see how relevant Genesis is for today? It's It's easy to think, well, Genesis, that's sort of an unknowable time in history, thousands of thousands of years ago, and And, uh, you know, we we live in 2020 now, after all, and it's not very relevant, but I I would actually say the opposite. What the Bible lays out in the very opening chapters of the Bible, the first, let's say, first 11, 12 chapters of Genesis and even more, is incredibly relevant and explains why we are where we are in mainstream society and also the church today. Um, As a matter of fact, going back to the very first verse of the Bible, Bill, Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In that one sentence, there was someone, and maybe multiple people have noticed this, that there are all five elements of known existence in that one verse. In the beginning, there's time. Mm -hmm. uh, And then the second word, in the beginning, God, that's force. Uh, In the beginning, God created, there's action. In the beginning, God created the heavens. There's space. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, there's matter. In the first wow. verse of the Bible, time, force, action, space, and matter right there summarized of everything that's known to exist. So that, that's pretty incredible that you can pull that much out of the first sentence of the Bible.
0: That's absolutely spectacular, David. I love it.
4: I didn't make it up, so uh, well, don't I, give me credit, okay, but uh, I mean, it, it's it's the word that, you know, God made that up, actually. Right. exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's pretty Im- I- incredible that just the, that's what we learn from right there in the first uh, sentence of the Bible that we've heard that verse so many times.
0: All right, let's uh, look at verse
4: 2. Well, let's just stick in verse—the first few verses, actually, for a okay. second, because it yep. goes from saying, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2— the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, remember that, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, there was morning, one day. That's a very familiar passage probably to many people listening today, but there are really there's at least three, and I think there are more, but I'm just going to point out three things from those first five verses of the Bible that are absolutely critical to understanding who God is, but also incredibly relevant to life in 2020 America or anywhere in the world today. And the three things are this, that in the beginning, God, so therefore God exists. And then God said, God speaks. And then number three, God saw that the light was good. He sees. So we, we, we have a God here who exists, he speaks, and he sees, and you think, well, why is that important? Well, um, if we don't have a God who exists, if this God who exists, I and mean, we think he exists, doesn't speak, and he doesn't see, you know, we might as well just pack up this radio show in our Christian life and just go home. This changes everything that God exists, he speaks,
0: and he sees. I love it. It's just spectacular.
4: It is because, it, and it's also interesting, Bill, that the Bible offers no um, what you'd call an apologetic or proof that God exists. It's just in the beginning, God. It's not mm-hmm. like, well, here's here's the reason that God exists. Look at this, this, and that. There is evidence in the Bible that leads to the to to one to reasonably conclude that God exists for sure. But I think it's of note that the Bible doesn't try to prove God exists. It's just. It just presupposes, it's just obvious mm-hmm. that, that God exists. And, and there's a huge pushback against these three things today, that God exists, speaks, and sees. The pushback is today that there is no God. Atheism, naturalism, that the, only the natural world exists. There's nothing supernatural beyond you know, just what we can taste, touch, feel, and, and look at in the world. There's nothing beyond that, that we live in a natural world, and that's it. A communistic worldview sees the world this way as purely naturalistic. And this idea that God exists is so important. Because it's the starting point of what your worldview is going to be. I mean, think about the difference when if you believe that God exists versus if you don't believe God exists, And then who's the authority in one of those two ways? If you believe God exists, he's the authority. If you believe God doesn't exist, you are now the authority. Mm-hmm. And that has incredible ramifications for how the world will operate and how you will live your life and make your decisions. Point two is God not only exists, it says in these first five verses, but God speaks. We don't have some impersonal, distant God. He didn't create, create the heavens and earth and just go away. And now he's some silent observer. This this is an active God. Uh, This is a powerful God. He's merely, he's not even doing things to bring them into existence. He's speaking things into existence, you know we can't do that, only God can do that. so we have a God who exists, we have a God who speaks, and finally it says, God saw that the light was good. He observes, he sees things, he's not a blind, dumb God, like some idol that man makes. He's actually watching his creation, and so we're actually accountable to him he He's looking down on us, and he's everywhere seeing everything we do, He's hearing everything we say. He knows everything we think. Uh, Psalm 139, O Lord, David said, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. I mean, this. The, I mean, it's just incredible, the ramifications, Bill, of these first these first verses of Genesis, the, the book of the beginnings, that God exists, he speaks, and he sees, because this changes everything uh, for our lives to know this and to believe it and live by
0: it. And I know, David, a lot of people that struggle with faith and struggle with God would not think God s- speaks or sees or cares. I mean, I think there's it's so profound to be reminded of this reality.
4: It is profound, because we can go through life and because God seems silent to us, especially mm-hmm. at certain times of our life when we go through difficult circumstances. God, God is not silent. Sometimes his silent, well, he's all, of course spoken to us in his word. We have a, a big, long, thick book with black ink on white paper that God has spoken. So God's never silent. Uh, but sometimes we can feel that way. But at those points, we need to go back to the truth of the word that the just read in Psalm 139. Or how about 2 Chronicles 69? For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. In other words, there's this idea that God doesn't just exist in his existence. No, he's engaged in life. Think of Job when he went through the hard things. He thought God was silent there for a time too. Like Where, is, where are you? What's going on with all these trials I'm going through? But God wasn't silent. He, he may have just pulled back slightly from Job to teach him things and sanctify him, and have him learn things that God needed to have sanctified in his life.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, David, as I'm thinking about God saying, let there be light, Mm -hmm. uh, were there angels present? Was the counsel of God present when he said that? I mean, it's curious as to the excitement that would have been associated with that, and then there being light.
4: Well, without light, there's nothing. Think about it. If Oof. you walk into a completely dark room, you can't see or perceive anything unless right. there's sound. Right. You know, so the light was the first thing God created. Now, the angels were created as well. So before creation, time began. Remember, in the beginning, that's when God invented time. Mm-hmm. There was nothing but God right. and his His Trinitarian nature. And by the way, that's also introduced in the first few verses of Genesis one there as well he said in the spirit of god was moving over the surface of the waters you know this, this idea you think that the the is some new testament doctrinal thing no right there in the second chapter second right. verse of the first chapter of genesis is the introduction that there's well wait now there's god but then there's also the spirit of god and then by verse what is it like verse uh you know 20 if i skip down a little bit in that chapter it's verse uh, 26 god says let us make man in our image according to our likeness who's is, who is he talking about this 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 plurality this our this kind of thing well you know what he's talking about god the father god his son and god the holy spirit and we find out later that god was the creator but jesus was actually the executor in creating the universe as we as we know it today
0: mm, wow david this is really really awesome let me take a little break david Wheaton is my guest go to thechristianworldview.org to see more about David and his work, we'll take a short break and be back in 90 seconds. Connecting faith, Connecting faith to life every day, that's the focus of Faith Radio. I'm station manager Neil Stapham. Through your prayer and financial partnership, this listener supportive ministry is reaching more and more people daily with the hope of the gospel and helping to apply biblical truth to everyday life. So for all of you who have resolved to stand with us, regardless of the amount or method, thank you. And get the New Year started with your gift today at MyFaithRadio.com.
3: You cannot separate the glory from the offense in Christian faith. Christianity is at its heart about a cross and a crown. And they are both embraced by Jesus Christ. And if you embrace Him, you cannot embrace the one without the other.
1: By the I'm held by the above. No the real truth, the real hope, faith radio. I begin to look back and go, well, duh. No wonder I, I have this compelling, you know, drive to try to fix what's broken because. That's what I was born to do. Literally, that's kind of what I was brought into the world to do.
2: From an early age, Stephen Curtis Chapman felt compelled to fix what was broken. So what do you do when the heartache is so deep it can't be fixed the sight of heaven? Here's Stephen's story this weekend on Epic.
1: Saturday mornings at 8.30, Sunday afternoons at 2.30 on Faith Radio.
0: Welcome back to the show. David Wheaton is my guest. We're talking about the amazing book of Genesis and the beginning and how in the first several verses we see God the Father and the Holy Spirit and God the Son, and it is uh, powerful. But David, let's talk about uh, these facts and and how creation is treated today.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at the things we said in the first segment and talk about the book of the beginnings, and we're at the beginning of the year. And how is this really relevant for us today? And how is it treated today? And it's it's not that again. God presupposes that he just it's just like assume that he exists. He doesn't try to prove himself. It's just in the beginning, God. It's just that's just he is. Now we find out who he is in the rest of this book of the Bible. But he also gives evidence, Bill, that he does these three things we discussed in that first segment: that he exists and he speaks, and he sees. And how do we know that? Well, I think there are, there are four things to keep in mind when it comes to, to knowing that God exists, he speaks, and sees. He's given us four lines of very, very strong evidence. So it leads to you like beyond a reasonable doubt that God exists, speaks, and sees. And they're all sees. There, there, there's creation, there's an ex- external revelation that God gives, creation, creation. There's an internal revelation that God has given, our conscience. There's a personal revelation that God has given. That's his son, Jesus Christ. And there's a special revelation that he's given, and he's communicated to us in the Bible. So creation, conscience, Christ, and communication, or his word. And you go, just look at these very briefly. You look at creation, the evidence that he exists, speaks, and sees that it's the only rational explanation for this complex, ordered, intelligent universe is that God exists and created it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it says in scripture, Hebrews 11, three, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen, you know, when you look outside was not made of things which are visible. So it didn't happen by things, uh, just natural means. There's a, a supernatural element to, to what happens. I mean, it's just too far a leap of faith bill to believe what people who don't believe in God believe that mm. nothing became something and somehow exploded by itself and evolved into everything. I mean, I just don't have enough faith to believe that. It takes far less faith to believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, because that's what makes sense. We ne- we never look at a builder. We never look at information. We don't look at DNA coding and think, and think oh, it just happened by accident. We think, well, there must be a building, must have a builder. Uh, information must have an informer. And coder, coding must have a coder. How can we look at creation and not think creator? We shouldn't because that's where the evidence leads us. And the second one is conscience. We all have an innate knowledge that God has given us of right and wrong, and the scripture says that. It says in Romans 2 that when Gentiles don't, who don't have the law do instinctively the things of the law, uh, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them, that shows that everyone knows, doesn't matter what culture you're from or what uh, nation you're from, everyone knows innately that intentionally killing someone, uh, murder, or, or raping someone or stealing, everyone knows that's wrong. Well, who informed them of this universal, objective, moral truth? Well, it's God. God put that that conscience in our heart. Again, that's a proof that there is a God who exists, speaks, and sees. And of course, Christ is, is God in human flesh, and finally, the communication of the Bible, uh, that's how God commun- communicates to us. Uh, and so you look at those four C's and you think, wow, well, it's not just a long leap of faith to to, to believe in this God who, who exists and says he speaks and says he sees. It's really, there's lots of evidence to say, yeah, I can put my faith in that because uh, the evidence heavily weighs in that favor.
0: Mm-hmm. David, one of my uh, above-average smart listeners named Scott said this question for you— why do naturalists believe that the world came to be without God? I mean, how do they overcome the second law of thermodynamics that everything moves from order to disorder? Where do naturalists get the energy for the creation of the universe to go from disorder to order without an almighty God with the power to do it?
4: Well, it, it, evolution, macro evolution, the, the kind taught in public schools and so forth, and then the science community that, you know, there was, there was, you know, we started from uh, you know, life came from nothing. And that, that breaks a scientific law. Something can't come from it breaks all the, the scientific laws, not not just the second law of thermodynamics that, you know, you can't destroy or create matter or whatever it is, things tend towards disorder rather than order. It breaks all of them. And that's why it's so ridiculous. And that's why Christians should never feel like, oh boy, these people with many degrees after their name, they say it so, so therefore it must be. They're highly educated, they're smarter. No. No, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing it 's not that they it 's not that they have a different theory it 's just that they won't believe in what the bible says it 's a matter of the will they cannot because if you believe that God exists and that he um, he speaks and and he sees then you 're accountable to him, and that changes everything for your life so it 's not a matter of scientific evidence because there is no scientific evidence that That something other than God created the world. There's no way. No one was there to observe it. Something can't come from nothing. Uh, Something can't explode by itself. As your listener said, things can't tend towards order from disorder. It breaks all the scientific laws that we know are facts. So, therefore, it's a matter of the will that we will not be put ourselves under the authority of this God because that would interfere with the way we want to live our lives. That is the underlying fundamental worldview. For those who have this naturalistic worldview,
0: yeah, David, so well said. I mean that I've got nothing to add to that. I mean, it's uh, you have God's supreme power, and if you have a, a hostility towards the gospel, you're not going to you're going to find a workaround with everything, aren't you? Yeah, including it, it, the but, most commonsensical things.
4: But it's an illogical, impossible workaround. You know, it, it's like saying today you, you hear this all the time. Well, someone's born a girl but now she thinks she's a boy. And so now she's a boy. Well, no, no, that's not that doesn't work that way that you're as one kind of one person said, you know, your facts don't care about your feelings. You may feel that way. But the fact is, you're still a girl. It's the same thing with creation. You can't have something come from nothing. Things can't explode into a big bang by themselves. There's no evidence at all. For things transitioning across a kind, we have there's, if, if this is true, macroevolution—there should be billions of fossils everywhere that show kind of a half, uh, you know, half monkey, half rat, or whatever the crossover type kind that we're told happened. But there's nothing. There's no evidence of it. So how is this biggest biggest lie in the history of mankind foisted and believed upon mankind? And you just go, well, because people willingly want to believe that there is no God, because if there is a God who exists, who speaks and sees, that changes everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Boy, David, these are, are so relevant for today. I mean, what a, a great way to start your year off, starting in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1.
4: Yeah, I bet a lot of people listening today probably are trying to read the Bible through in a year, and that's a great thing to do, because it gives you a great overview of the Bible, and you'll see how it's all related. Here's a book that was written over, I think it was 1600 years by 40 different authors and so forth. forth. And yet there's, there's one unifying theme of the Bible. I mean, that, that's impossible in of itself. How can 40 different authors over that many years put together, how does this book be brought together and have one unified theme of this God who's, who's planned this, this plan of redemption through his son? It, it all leads to Christ. And then from then, we all look back at Christ. It's, it's truly the only supernatural book because it's inspired by a supernatural God. Mm-hmm. David, what's your,
0: your personal study plan when the New Year rolls around? What, what, do you, what do you do? Well,
4: right now I'm reading in Genesis. Maybe that's why I'm so excited about what we're talking about today. <laughs> I um, should have
0: figured that out the, myself. But I'm not very bright.
4: Well, there's so much more to get to. We've only gone into the first five verses, so I hope we can talk about a few other things in the, in the coming weeks um, for some other parts of this conversation. But I've been I've been starting there, and I actually started reading one of the Gospels. So I'd like to read some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, and then sometimes uh, you know reading uh, some Psalms and Proverbs. So I, I tend to not necessarily dwell, let's say, on a verse or two for. So time reading and spending time with the Lord on a given day, I, I tend to read more of a couple of chapters or two at a time uh, and think about it and pray through it and mm-hmm. so forth and see how God would want me to respond to what I'm reading. So it's I, it's pretty simple and straightforward with me. I don't get, uh, you know, I don't, I don't usually pull out a Greek dictionary, although I think it's good if you do, but I, I typically don't. I just pray and read through uh, what I'm reading. I ask God by His the power of His Spirit to illumine my mind and my spirit to what I'm reading and help me apply it.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's do this for uh, many more weeks to come. I think we'll have a great time talking about the character of God and his principles and the doctrines that have been established and that are relevant for today. David Wheaton, thanks so much. Thank you, Bill. Yep. Go to thechristianworldview.org. You can learn more about David, hear his podcast, uh, and buy his books. He's a wonderful resource, and I know you love him because I've been hearing from listeners already. Let's take a little break. When I come back, Kim Cattola is going to be joining me right here in studio. I'm very excited about that. We'll be right back in 90 seconds.
5: Faith Radio is so much more than just radio. We are a multimedia ministry encouraging people to connect faith to life every day through a variety of platforms. Now, you may have been driving, captivated by a Faith Radio interview, but not able to listen to it all because you had an appointment. Or maybe you had an extra busy day and you missed your favorite show. Well, thankfully, you can go back and listen to any of our programs in their entirety at MyFaithRadio.com by clicking on podcasts. You can also download the free Faith Radio app to listen to any past programs or check out the live stream. Just search for Faith Radio in iTunes or Google Play. And for Alexa and Amazon Echo devices, just say Enable Faith Radio. Then say play Faith Radio to listen to the live stream. Use your connected device to stay encouraged and equipped every day through Faith Radio.
3: One night I found myself in a hospital in downtown Denver.
1: Adolph Coors IV on Focus on the Family Minute.
3: In the operating room that night were my wife and her doctor and myself, there were three of us, and then poof, there were four. I was so happy I ran out of the delivery room to call my wife, but she wasn't at home. (laughs) I held my son just seconds after he was born, my pride and my joy. Children are a living message we're going to send to a time we're never going to see. I beg you, my friends, I beg you. I don't care how busy you are, how important you are carve quality time out of your busy schedules every day to spend with your wife and your husband and your kids. I beg you, please do that.
1: Hear more today at familyminute.org. Danny is
0: excited to start his career in healthcare. As a student in the nursing program at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, I definitely feel like I'm getting equipped to succeed. Northwestern's nursing program is challenging, but it also teaches me to represent Christ by being a loving and caring nurse as well. Join Danny
1: in becoming the kind of nurse hospitals and clinics are looking for—a rewarding career in healthcare. Visit unwsp.edu/nursing. That's unwsp.edu/nursing to find out more.
3: Love today.
2: Don't delay. Send right away.
0: I'm awfully glad to have Kim Katola in studio, and because she's here, I get to brag on her a little bit. She's a retired broadcaster, which makes me sad that she's not on the air all the time, but she's a writer and a speaker, and she's currently serving as a pro-life advocate as lead coordinator of abortion recovery support at Fayette Pregnancy Resource Center in Fayetteville, Georgia, helping women connect with faith in Jesus Christ to recover from child loss due to abortion. I could go on and on. You know her uh, formerly as Kim Jeffries. She's spent over 30 years here in radio and television and has been on KTIS. You may have heard her show, Cradle My Heart, Amazon number one bestseller. So, uh, and she is in town today with her grandkids. Kim, welcome.
2: Hi, Bill. That's nice to
0: see you again. Yeah, well, I love <laughs> bragging on you just because it's you. real easy. Thank just you. So you, know, you know. I'm in
2: that phase of my career where, you know, you never want to feel like e- people are thinking, how can we miss you if you won't go away? So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> when you said 30 years, it was, I mean, I was kind of a fixture yeah. of Twin Cities broadcasting with daily shows for yeah. a long time.
0: I'm in, at that point in my career where I'm right between. <laughs> Don't I know you, and and didn't you used to be Bill Arnold? (laughs) I'm kind of in that zone right there.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: So I'm always interested to hear uh, what's going on in your world and and your work as a pro-life advocate, and I know there's lots of pro-life and and abortion stories that we can chat about.
2: Yeah. So why don't we
0: start with the Golden Globes? That was kind of amazing.
2: So this actress who wins actress for her part in this series, Vernon Fossey, Mm -hmm. Vernon Fossey. I I haven't seen it. I'm not familiar with her work, Michelle Williams, right? Um, dedicates that platform in her acceptance speech to promoting abortion. I mean, there really isn't any other way to say it. There isn't. So she 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 starts out talking about you've honored me for my choices made moment by moment as an actor, and the choices that I made to get to that place of being you know that actor, and we all and you've honored my choices as a as a person as an individual, and uh, I wouldn't be here today without reproductive choice so she said you know things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice and she's been you know barbecued by the (laughs) pro-life world Mm -hmm. for using that platform to advance this idea that women can't be successful that women can't have a career if they have motherhood Mm -hmm. and that's of course nonsense it's it's wrong and it's amoral Mm -hmm. at best and it's an immoral worldview when you take it as far as to use that to justify abortion, terminating the life of an innocent child. But, you know, I sensed in her remarks something that I haven't really read anywhere, but she may have been victimized. She may have had a pregnancy due to rape or date rape or mm-hmm. something that was, you know, that it happened to her body, not as her choice. That does happen, Bill. Mm-hmm. We know that happens. And if that is the case for her or for any woman who's experienced that, we, she really deserves our compassion. Uh, completely, unequivocally, unconditionally. And people who do that to women, men who do that to women, deserve punishment Mm -hmm. completely. I agree. Unconditionally, unequivocally, under the law, socially, and every every way that they can be punished and deterred from doing that ever again needs to be our cause, if that's our concern, for women who are being violated. We need to really go after the perpetrators, Right. But I didn't hear anything about that, I didn't hear anything about what actually happened to her. Instead, it was all about her (laughs) exercising her right to terminate a child, which if she was violated would be right, the in reality the second victim of that crime Mm -hmm. of rape. And so to me it was very sad that she couldn't connect that in her mind. And I mean this does happen to women. We don't connect we dehumanize the child in order to be able to make that so-called choice. Mm -hmm. You know, some of her other remarks that she went on to say included that, you know, well, I didn't want, I wanted to be the author of my life. I didn't want to live as if life just happened to me. And I thought, man, you are so young. (laughs) (laughs) You are so young. Because has death never happened to you? Has illness never happened to you? The thing you want least has never happened to Mm -hmm. you? because i mean when those things do come right that's that's when who we really are and our faith becomes evident mm-hmm. and becomes so important you know so you're standing there shining in your gown and with your tiny statue you know for your accomplishment uh as an entertainer and bragging that it was some law that allowed you to kill your child which which enabled this to happen so it's it's false premise on every level, Bill. Right. On every level. I, and I mean, I, so I did a, little, a quick little research to find out how many women who, who have had celebrity careers in entertainment actually had children in their teens. And the youngest I found was Aretha Franklin, who had a baby at 12. She got wow. pregnant at 12. Now, this again was the result of a crime.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not legal to have sex with a 12-year-old. Right. Someone should have, I hope, uh, been prosecuted for that. But the reality was, she withstood that. She had two children by the time she was 15.
0: Wow. I I don't see it slowing down her career. Her career
2: continued until she passed a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. May she rest in peace, you know, in her 70s after uh, one of the most brilliant careers in music. No kidding. That any of us can think of. Her her motherhood did not limit her. Yes, she had support. Her grandmother and her sister raised those children until she married and started a family, so to say. But... um, You can look to Anna Nicole Smith and Whoopi, you know, some, some pretty, some pretty wild women, if you will, Roseanne, uh, Naomi Judd, of course, Maya Angelou, um, from the distinguished Loretta Lynn, Mm -hmm. you know, across the spectrum, all different kinds of lifestyles and genres of entertainment. And all of these women mothers before they reach their 20th birthday, motherhood is not a limiting factor in a career. That's nonsense.
0: I agree. And And
2: so the idea that we have to do this, eliminate our children so that we can succeed in life, is a toxic lie Mm -hmm. from our culture that stands against everything in God's economy, but everything that should stand in the heart of uh, of women, you know, of of women fulfilling our role as (laughs) those who can bring forth new life Mm -hmm. and the dignity of
0: motherhood. And I think, God, I don't have the clip, Kim, but... I believe Michelle Williams thanked God for abortion. Yes.
2: thank. She said, thank God or whoever you believe in or something like for that. For abortion. She put a qualifier. Yeah. Well, put a qualifier on it. Like, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't want to offend you if you don't believe in God, but I thank God that I had that choice.
0: Yeah. So the little trophy well, is more yeah. valuable than a baby.
2: So first of all, Bill, for, you know, one thing we have to say is that there are many mainline Christian denominations that endorse and promote abortion. Um. The United Methodist Church, the Episcopalian Church, mm. uh, the ELCA are all pro-choice denominations, and there are many others. You know, and so and there's of course, you know, the clergy were brought into the battle, the PR battle, early on by Planned Parenthood and others for the battle for legalization for abortion back in the 1970s. It's so last century to talk about religion, <laughs> but they still want to bring out religion when they want to. You know, <laughs> if, if there's somebody who's who's right. God uh, has a clerical collar and is in favor of abortion. But so, first of all, there's a lot of confusion in the church about what God has really said, although there shouldn't be. I mean, thou shall not murder is reiterated for us in the New Testament in mm-hmm. the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself mm-hmm. in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, and you shall not shed innocent blood, of course, is the way it's said in the in the, uh Old Testament in Exodus, but also, you know, that we bear God's image is the reason why it's wrong. And that's reiterated in the New Testament as well. You know, you shouldn't speak ill of someone else who bears God's image. You shouldn't curse them, it says in James. Well, if saying words and character assassination is offensive to God, how much more so destroying the body of of an innocent child? And this is the thing, you know, a lot of people have said, wonder if she will regret this when she um you know comes to her senses or when later in life at some point down the road and she may not bill i mean i've encountered a lot of women who don't have any sense that they've lost a child they still believe they're still <laughs> dehumanizing the child in their mind you know still killing the child denying their existence as god's creation in order to feel good about the choice that they made.
0: Yeah. They have to work real hard to not understand the full gravity of what they did.
2: Well, all you need to know is fetal development. Mm -hmm. You know, that uh, Jesus Christ in his incarnation started as a fetus. First of all, he started as an embryo, zygote embryo, Mm -hmm. and he took on human flesh as a dot, (laughs)
0: Right. <laughs> okay a yes. speck yes,
2: right, and so what does that tell you about the value of human life at every stage of yes. development? He never changed from who he was when he was that speck to the savior he was at, and in yeah. his resurrection. You never changed from the dot you were, I never changed from the embryo I was. Mm-hmm. God knows us before conception, but fetology tells us you know that we have a we have a form. And this is the basic science denial that's at the heart of ideas like Michelle Williams is advancing. You know, I just made a choice to not become a mother. All the cloaked language, you know, even that word abortion. I mean, what you're doing is you are destroying the body of another human being because we have a body from the very beginning. It begins as a single cell, but then it turns into, you know, a multi-cell organism, a Mm -hmm. brand new organism with its own DNA. And at 12 weeks, which is the point at which I had an abortion, so I pray that I'm coming across humbly as someone who speaks from, you know, hard-won wisdom of having walked the road of repentance and finding my redemption in Christ and knowing that my child most certainly was a human being, most certainly had a body that was destroyed at 12 weeks gestation. And I believe and pray and hope that most certainly I will meet by the grace of God in heaven one day. But I will not kill him again by saying he was a nothing.
3: Mm-hmm. He
2: was he was, a, he was a something, something God had planned. And we don't know what God's plan was, but, you know, I praise God that even telling that story right now has impressed someone who heard it, that his life had meaning.
0: You talk like such a sweet, loving mother. <laughs> well, and you are.
2: Uh, well, I mean, you know, I do love him. I and, know. And I... Um,
0: here we go, Kim.
2: I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, you know, and and I, I, I can't say that. You know, my sadness has been lifted. Um, I heard a teaching once about when um, Joseph named his son Manasseh. He had Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh meant God has removed the sting, and the the interpretation, the exegesis on the name was that. Um, he removed the sting of the memories of Joseph's betrayal by his brothers and his false imprisonment and wrong accusations and all the things that happened to him. He never forgot any of it, but he could look back on it without all that emotional content crushing him, mm-hmm. you know. And and I feel sort of the same way mm-hmm. about my experience of having lost a child to abortion, um, that I can talk about it in such a way that I'm not crushed, yeah. but I still bill had a loss
0: i can see it and you know and and
2: and and that's something that you know i happened to me Mm -hmm. i had a part in it but Mm -hmm. it happened to me michelle williams (laughs) and uh, you know my recovery is uh, continuing because that's how recovery works right and god reveals something beautiful and new every time that um that it comes up so yeah the idea that it was a nothing and simply something she had to overcome to advance in her career is very sad.
0: Oh, it's horribly and, sad.
2: And I I do pray for her and that she will I won't condemn her. You know, where, who am I? Uh but but I do pray for her that when the light dawns that she will um that she will be able to find our Lord as he pursues her. That she will say yes as he pursues her with his truth. Because that's the only way any of us ever recovers, Mm -hmm. is to say yes to his pursuit of us, his wooing and his love and his refusal to give up on us.
0: It's beautiful. Let me take a little break. Kim Cattola is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds.
1: We all love getting something for free. Here's something that's free that you can really use. It's the free Faith Radio app. You can use the app to listen to the live stream, access program podcasts, and stay informed with all the latest contests and events today. All you have to do is download the free Faith Radio app in iTunes or Google Play. Just search for Faith Radio, download the app, and enjoy Faith Radio wherever you go. Download the free Faith Radio app and start listening today. Facing the future with confidence, because Jesus is our source of hope.
5: I love listening to Faith Radio, and it's always encouraging, and it's always a place to kind of hear confirmation of God's voice and what He's trying to speak in your life. I encourage everyone to listen in. Every time that I listen, everything is very timely for what I'm needing in my life, whether it's encouragement or direction or teaching. It always just feels like it's very timely.
1: This is Faith Radio Every high school senior I talked to believed leaving home would be easy. Every
0: college freshman said it was way harder than they anticipated.
1: Researcher, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott is the host of Parenting in the 21st Century. Opening our kids' eyes to this reality is essential so that they have the right mindset going in. Parenting in the 21st Century, designed to help you become a wiser, better parent. Listen Saturday evenings at 8 on Faith Radio.
0: To the show, Kim Catola is in studio. You know her from Cradle My Heart. She is um, the pro life advocate as lead coordinator of abortion recovery support at Fayette Pregnancy Resource Center in Fayetteville, Georgia. She happens to be in town with the grandkids, and I was able to convince her to come in and talk. And Kim, we're already up on an t- uh, election year, and there's going to be lots of information and misinformation about this uh, very hot topic.
2: Well, this is for me. Um, you know, there's a uh, an article in Vice. I don't know if you follow Vice, but they I, I mean, they're you know they're they're trying to carve out their niche as being the next edgy salon. I don't know. They, a lot of people they have some credibility uh, among liberals, and so Vice, you know, has a, a piece about. Trump's new you know, pro-lifers and Trump's new uh, you know, front will be misinformation about late-term abortion and infanticide. And even that headline is is the real howler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy in the United States, Bill. And it has been ever since Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, which were decided on the same day mm-hmm. in the early 1970s. Roe v. Wade allowed for a constitutional right of privacy for the decision to be made between a woman and her provider. Dovey Bolton said it's uh, the uh, the circumstances can be anything, including a uh, uh, a woman's mental health. So all I would have just just as your last guest was talking about, you know, if I say I am a girl and even though I'm have a a biological boy. If I go in and tell a doctor, you know, I'm nine months pregnant, but this is threatening my mental health. I I feel suicidal. Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, is there anything wrong with the baby? No, but okay. But if you, you know, you feel that way, that could be a pretext for abortion. Mm -hmm. Now it's not, it's, you can't walk in and get an abortion in all 50 States at 36 weeks pregnant. Plus, you know, what is it? 40, 42 full term. But there are places you can go where it is perfectly legal for this to happen. And it's, uh, it's legal after the viability, after the 27th week in, I think, seven or eight states now. This was the law that New York uh, put in effect last year, and they lit up the buildings with pink, right, because they passed a law that said if a baby survives an abortion attempt, doctors are under no obligation to revive or to give any sort of life-saving medical attention mm-hmm. to palliative care only. And so, you know, people don't understand that this is the case. And if you get into conversations with people who consider themselves informed on this decision, they'll say that that's misinformation, but it's not, Bill. You know, there are there are abortion facilities in there are five clinics around the country where um they will perform a late term abortion legally. Uh, three of them are in states that allow exemptions so they don't necessarily have I think they may have a ban on abortion after 24 weeks but again if you come up with an exemption now it could be you know a medical condition of fetal anomaly, anomaly that is or you know some other medical you know idea Um, in some cases they're very real you know the babies will have serious health complications but in California and Maryland and Ohio, you can get an exemption and get an abortion up to birth. Hmm. You know, not necessarily for a medical complication. Mm-hmm. And on a case-by-case basis, you can have an abortion up to birth in New Mexico and Colorado. There are facilities and doctors who will do this
0: And if this legally. abortion gets botched and there's a child that gets born and the, the desired outcome was an abortion they will just let the child die
2: yes so they will say well what did what was the intent of this procedure mm-hmm. if it was fetal demise which is the word that they would use for it mm. uh, fetal demise then palliative care only so we're going to give the baby a blanket while we starve it or we're going to give yeah while we withhold food and you know any other care you'd be giving to a neonate we're we're simply going to As uh, Virginia Governor Northam said so infamously, comfort, Mm
0: -hmm. give the
2: baby comfort.
0: That's just
2: right. And so, you know, and here's the thing that, again, people may not understand and forgive me, you may want to cover your children's ears, but, you know, late term abortion is grisly and unsafe. Mm -hmm. And there are three ways you can do it. There is a lethal injection to the baby's heart through the amniotic sac, very dangerous and calls for a great deal of precision. Um. And some babies will survive. If they, you know, if you think you got the heart, but you didn't, the baby will be born and not have been, you know, subject to demise. You can dismember. No babies have been known, I don't think, to survive that, although I could be wrong about that. and need to do my research. But it, it's literally limb from limb. Mm-hmm. And then there is a saline solution where over a course of days, you are using various means of uh, getting saline into the amniotic fluid to burn the baby to death. And uh, stillbirth is the result. Mm-hmm. At least 150 children have survived saline abortions. Oh. And you know, this, by by calling this misinformation and saying that you know we can't have any, because uh, I think Ben Sass is now sponsoring legislation about an afterbirth abortion or some such language on his bill. They're saying, well, that's inflammatory. You're making people think that babies are surviving. Well, and and you know, and then they'll say, well, and. No, there's no late-term abortion up to birth. Well, 1.2% of all abortions every year are in the third trimester. Wow. Which means those babies could survive with mm-hmm. life, yes. Life, yes. Uh, life-saving life life care. That's 12,000 babies if you take it on a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis. That's not nothing.
0: That's a lot of babies.
2: Right? And One's if, a lot of babies. And if you're the 149th baby, mm-hmm. it matters to you whether you're legally protected. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, it's almost as if, I don't know how to really convey it, but we've got this crazy thing in the law. You know, Roe v. Wade kind of recognized that, well, we have competing rights here. We have the right of the woman and we have a right of a baby. So we'll put it at viability. When could the baby exercise its own agency without the mother when it could live apart from her? So that's, I think, how they came up with viability in Roe v. Wade. But until viable, what is the, the baby's her property? Really, it's, She is a sovereign nation, uh, if you will.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> She's like, you know, that baby's living, uh, you know, on uh, foreign soil
3: mm-hmm.
2: until born, in which case then it may attain to rights, but not in New York. If her will was that it would not, you know, that she maintain her sovereignty and didn't manage to bring about fetal demise when she intended to. It's just an amazing turn of events that we are where we are, that would even require a law like this. And I don't know if you know Melissa Oden or have had her on as a guest, I but she's one of the survivors and she uh, has been speaking out for a long time and recently reconnected with her birth mother. And her birth mother was coerced into that abortion. Mm. It was a nurse who saved her life, much wow. you know, similar to the October baby mm-hmm. storyline, the plot. And... Um, You know, it's devastating to hear her talk about when she testifies before Congress, when she tells her story. She always gets challenged by people, you know, who are tolerant and liberal and tell her it never happened. It couldn't have happened that way. It just doesn't happen. Yeah,
0: that's just crazy. Here's another law in Massachusetts where minors used to need permission for abortion, but that could change. I mean, you can't get an aspirin without permission from your parents,
2: right so the assumption here is that all pregnant teens have abusive parents that need they need protection by the state from their abusive parents you know and i know women who have had uh, who had a judicial bypass as a minor because that's the remedy that they put in place so you're 16 you're pregnant you don't want your parents to know but if your state has a law whoever the provider is will put you in touch with a judge will give you a judicial bypass and one woman I know said so I was couch surfing failing school had no job and pregnant and I went before the judge and he said do you realize that you know you were pregnant she said yes I do and he said well are you mature enough to make this decision and he asked her no questions about her life circumstance (laughs) and how she was failing in every area of her life because of her immaturity yeah and she said yes I am your honor and he banged his gavel wow. and granted her that abortion. So wow. Massachusetts is codifying the judicial bypass and, um, yeah, but, uh, or, you know, trying to beef that up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, think about it, Bill, how, you know, again, no one wants a 13-year-old to be pregnant.
0: Yeah. Kim, I mean,
2: h- you need to understand yeah. what I'm saying oh, right. here, everybody, right? Right. But. When it happens, what are we going to do? And what will the rest of us do to make sure that there's a godly, loving, life-affirming outcome for her and for her baby?
0: Mm-hmm. Kim, it's, it's so great to see you, and I appreciate um, you coming into the studio. There's a listener named Jeff who said, Are we doing a disservice to our Lord and Savior? Um, and to our nation and our neighbors, when we continue to use the word abortion and we don't call it murdering a baby,
2: um, you know, I don't necessarily use. I I, I won't argue with him mm-hmm. that many times. Um, it is intentional killing, mm-hmm. which is you know that's the definition of murder, right? Um, I I think that I, I like intentional killing better than murder. Okay. Uh, sometimes because you know now you're you're getting into a legal term and I think you know when the Bible talks about shedding innocent blood I like that yeah. I think that's an accurate and apt description I agree with him though uh, I, it's time to stop you know uh, c- coddling anybody who can't deal with mm-hmm. language when the reality is that the bloodshed is continuing at the rate of 3,000 mm-hmm. a day every day
0: Kim Catola has been my guest. Thank you, Kim, for being here. Just love seeing you. That wraps up our show for the day. If you missed any of it, head to myfaithradio.com, go to the show page, and you can hear it all on podcast. Have a great night, everyone, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.